Hi there, Neil here. Obviously, you love to travel. That's why you're listening to this podcast. Circa, our app available right now from the App Store on iOS, is filled with podcasts and guides for travelers. But more than that, it has a feature that we're calling the Circa Concierge, where you can have any question about any place you're traveling answered by real people on the ground. We're giving you a friend to ask anywhere in the world. And hey, if you've got questions about Barcelona, you might even get me. Because I love to help people discover my city. And if you're the same way for the city where you live, then we want you to become part of the Circa Concierge too. Right now, we're searching for concierges in Barcelona, Rome, London, Paris, Madrid, Venice, and New York City. Don't see your city listed? That's okay. We'll be rolling out new cities throughout the year, and yours might just be next. If you love where you live and love to help travelers, sign up now to be a Circa Concierge. Help out our users and earn tips for the knowledge you have about your own city or country. Head over to circatravel.com forward slash concierge and sign up today. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, guys. So Andres and I took our first trip together out of the country in 2019, before the COVID pandemic. So this takes place in the before times when life felt a little bit more normal. So that's why this episode, these, these two episodes, are incredibly important to us. Much love to all of the friends we made in Jerusalem. Hope you're all safe. This one's for you and for you and you. And you. <laughs> Welcome to the show. If you haven't, go back and listen to part one. If you have, here's a recap. Me and Andres took our first trip together to Israel to visit Jerusalem. Holy sh- shit, can I curse? I forget if I can curse. We were invited by Shanan Street, Israel's biggest hip-hop star who opened one of the first bars in the Mahana Yehuda market in West Jerusalem. Should we go into the crazy? Let's go into the crazy, okay. When he opened the bar, the market was a really different place. Bombs, drugs, prostitution. There always has to have been people that said, fuck this bullshit, (laughs) let's go get pissed. (laughs) Now it's a hip tourist destination. And Shannon had set us up to meet some of his friends, other artists and musicians who are reshaping the city. We're going to meet them and try and find out if you really can overcome this eternally divided city simply by being creative. Some of these friends are in East Jerusalem, the other side of a city filled with complicated and sometimes invisible boundaries and walls and borders. So that's where we're headed in this week's episode. 
A destination isn't always a place. Sometimes it's a new way of seeing things. I'm Neil Innes. And I'm Andres Bartos. From Frequency Machine, this is Passport. Your ticket to everywhere. Me and Andres are in Jerusalem. And today, we're crossing the Green Line, an invisible division between East and West, armed with a map given to us by Shanann Street, one of Israel's most famous musicians. He had put us in touch with a friend, a friend with roots going back thousands of years, but from a completely different perspective, a Palestinian perspective. We walk through Mea Sha'arim, an Orthodox Jewish neighborhood on the Sabbath, not quite knowing what to expect. It was like every family was out on the street. Children playing in wooden go-karts, tall, imposing, bearded men. We felt somehow like we were eavesdropping on something secret. You know what, I'm going to stop recording. So we kept going, quickly, to the green line. It felt like a movie set. There was no sound except for kids playing, yeah. which always creeps me out. And everybody looking at us, because we're the friggin' weirdos. Yeah, we're the weirdos. We very quickly realized that it was a very bad idea to try to record in the middle of this. And yeah, we felt like we were invading something very private. We kind of didn't know where we were going. Like, no. we were going to East Jerusalem, we didn't know what. What that meant. A checkpoint or, like, a gate. But it was that thing where you were kind of on this broad avenue walking right in the middle of the street where the cars would be kind of watching this whole scene go by. And then at one point we turned. The avenue was much broader and still deserted. But then in the distance, you could see one road with traffic. Yeah. And that was the border. that was the line. (laughs) That was the line right there. We got to the other side of the traffic lights and everything was in Arabic. From one street corner to the next... Suddenly we were in Morocco. We headed to the Gallery Cafe, a cool and quiet little spot near the American colony in East Jerusalem, to meet Subhi Dejani, a pressed white shirt, tall and thoughtful. He smokes a lot and laughs a lot too. Born and raised in the East, Suhi's heritage in Jerusalem is ancient. His knowledge of the city runs deep, but even for a real Jerusalemite, we'd soon learn, like many things in Jerusalem, nothing is ever simple. It's layers upon layers upon layers. I want to compare it as, I'll tell you what, as an onion, for three reasons. <laughs> One for the layers. One for the make you cry. (laughs) And third for the smell. (laughs) That's great. The East feels like a different place entirely. This invisible wall. Suddenly the cars, boom, 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 cross the wall, and we're like, oh, oh. (laughs) Why am I? I am in a different country now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. In one street. It's this road, like, passes near the old city. In the old city itself, I mean, I ha- we have the four quarters. So, you know, the Armenian quarter and, the, of course, Jewish quarter, uh, Muslim quarter and Christian quarter. Most my, fam- my family, for example, came from old city. They were uh, living there? Maybe 1,000 years. What? Get the fuck out of here. 
I have the big tree. <laughs> I can't show you the big tree. I can't you show have, it to you. You have a big tree? You have it here? At this point, Suki pulls out his phone and shows us a family tree that looks more like a forest. I try to make it as much as clear as possible. Whoa! Okay, we're looking at um, the biggest. It looks. It looks like a labyrinth. I don't know, but I'm somewhere here. <laughs> <laughs> a thousand years of family living in the same walled city. Subhi's heritage was right there, clear as day on the screen. And then, just like Jerusalem can do, many times a day. It made things complicated. We asked Subhi about his military service time, which is still compulsory for all Israelis. I'm not Israeli. Well, that's the first question. Are you Israeli? <laughs> <laughs> so, you have all the country, Israel, and you have Palestine. Everything, West Bank, Gaza, these are the Palestinian, right? So Jerusalem is, a, is actually another country, some kind. So if you ask me where I am, I will tell you Jerusalemite because I don't hold Israeli passport. I'm Palestinian in, well, like, if you want to call it, yeah, Palestinian. But it's, I think I see myself more as Jerusalem than anything else. Uh, I don't hold a Palestinian passport. I don't hold Israeli passport. All Jeru- most of Jerusalemites who doesn't have a passport, who doesn't have Israeli, they have Jordanian, but they're not Jordanian. Ho-ho! I'm here, my family here have been for 1,000 years. That's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. That's so crazy. Yeah, yeah it's, so it's really complicated. I feel like I'm wearing Inception. <laughs> We've actually only been sitting here for 60 seconds. You know, but we're, we're like so many levels down. Subhi was a film freak growing up. He watched everything that he could get his hands on and fell in love with computing and visual effects in Paris where he was studying. With a travel permit, of course. Short films, movies, and music videos are Subhi's passion. Thank God. I love it. <laughs> I love my work. I really love it. Why do you love it so much? What do you love about it? The limit is actually ba- basically is your brain. He's trying to create a world in East Jerusalem too. One that doesn't quite exist yet. In East Jerusalem, we don't have concerts. In the East, they don't have concerts. It's so strange. They don't even have cinemas. The intifadas, or uprisings, in Israel have defined the country in modern times. The conflicts between Israel and Palestine in the occupied areas was devastating. 1987 to 1993, and then again from 2000 to 2005, saw incidents which increased bombing and violence on both sides. Jerusalem suffered huge cultural losses too. Concert venues, bars and cinemas were closed down, and they never quite recovered. But it's coming back. Or at least it's trying. Subhi is trying. Like most people we talk to in Jerusalem, Subhi also has a multitude of jobs. Including being a concert promoter, trying to bring bands back to the East. People miss this. They miss the culture. They miss the, 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 the oh, wow. dynamic, the art and everything. And you have different artists. I mean, if I can't talk about artists, from painters to photograph to videograph to music to dance and I mean I have a lot of friends it's you know it's like a community of artists so you feel do you feel like responsible or you have this interest to bring it back or where do you see yourself in this it's part of it is my city I want to revive it I'm part of it I don't say mine it's more of I'm part of it so if it's dead it's then part of me is dead 
it's important to revive it to show to show really what is Jerusalem. Part of your uh, your view of like going into 3D Studio Max and having like being able to create any world you want. Yeah. You're kind of you're trying to do it in real life now. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. We discovered that in East Jerusalem, even after 1,000 years of living in the same part of the city, your nationality can still be a complicated, almost impossible matter. In the old city, there are minorities within minorities within a city inside a city. Smaller and smaller divisions of people all holding onto a piece of Jerusalem, its past, its present and its future. Shannon had told us that if we wanted to hear a unique perspective, we needed to speak to somebody from one of the smallest groups in Jerusalem. Because to understand this place, you need to go beyond the broad strokes. The feeling changed again as we approached the ominous Damascus Gate and headed into the maze of the old city. The stone streets are smoothed from centuries of pedestrian traffic, including, well, the Son of God. The stones are smoothed down so much that every few years a municipality has to chisel down the rock to make it rough and walkable again, uncovering layers and layers and layers. The old city contains some of the world's most iconic landmarks. The Wailing Wall is here, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is here, the Dome of the Rock. The age and importance of it hits you like a ton of bricks. Can you hear the sirens, the avalanche? Welcome to Jerusalem. <laughs> Apo Sahagin is a writer and musician born and bred in the Armenian quarter in the old city. He's one of only 700 there. He doesn't look or smell like an onion. In fact, he's tall, dark, kind of handsome, sharp, worldly, and has just the right amount of edge. I'm an Armenian born and bred in Jerusalem, specifically in the Armenian Quarter. And uh, we are right now at the Austrian Hospice in the Muslim Quarter. I think that these two sentences I just went through, a lot of cultures right there for you. (laughs) But we're in the Austrian Hospice that used to be the Hungarian-Austrian Hospice until the empire fell and the Austrians kicked the Hungarians out. Apple studied political sciences at university, and after working for an NGO in what he terms the peace business, he formed a band. Apple and the Apostles. It was started by a Canadian, an Australian, me, and two Palestinians from Bethlehem. But I had a song there written in Arabic, and we released the song, and it became a hit. And, uh, and I started to realize that a lot of people took notice, and uh, people do like to know public figures or pop- popular figures. And I'd become one. I had become a public figure, sort of. People around here that have a political seat don't mind knowing somebody from the art world that is known. He turns to politics a lot. Something that we had noticed other people here seemed uneasy to talk too much about. There are bubbles here, right? There are cliques here. As there are in Berlin and London in Barcelona too. The problem here is that the bubbles usually fight to claim the city as their own. 
this city is my city, this is not your city, you should not be here, you should not be there. You know, it's a, the city needs to be better. I mean, we, there are a lot of injustices in the city. There are a lot of imbalances. Finding people from whatever spectrum, whatever walk of life that live here, and they, and I don't feel like they are contributing to the imbalance. I don't mind finding, a, I don't know, friendship with them or something to do with them, finding work with them. Because at the end of the, the day, not they're making the city better, they're just not making it shittier. <laughs> you know? It was beautiful. I'm thinking just about... Whoa, you're screwed, you gotta stop. So this is, a, this is the cult of prayer. This is God speaking. <laughs> this here is God speaking. For all the white evangelists in the world, God speaks Arabic, I'm sorry. <laughs> the Adan, the Islamic call to prayer, happens five times a day, from dawn to dusk. It can last for up to half an hour. What are you, what's, what are you thinking right now, Neil? I'm thinking about a... Um, an, uh, an idea of God in another country and I'm trying to relate to him <laughs> you are in the right place to think about God <laughs> he walked these streets you know no that was a funny thing when you go to Budapest or to Europe uh, you know people have this uh, ideal of Jerusalem right you tell them you're from Jerusalem they're like isn't that where Jesus walked and you're like yeah but that's also where I pissed when I was very drunk at night you know <laughs> Wow, with the call to prayer in the background. You just shed away their their romantic uh, impression of yeah. Jerusalem as if nobody lives here. Yeah, like, exactly. People live here. We do things <laughs> where the gods have walked, <laughs> you know. Dealing every day with a place overshadowed by history and religion and politics, Apo seems to know how to have fun. I like arts. I would never go into anything that's not artistic or literary. That's what I like to, when I wake up in the morning, I like to take my guitar and play or open up my laptop and write. You know, that's what I, I, I like to do. I don't think I'd take it to any place else. But again, look, uh, there is power in what we do. And, uh, and in this time when the politics or the political vision has failed, uh, culture has sort of become the substitute where people find their voice in. That is the role of culture at the moment, you know? And I don't mind being, a, uh, you know, I don't mind contributing to that. It was time to soak up a little of that culture. We headed back to the west with Apo guiding us out of the maze of the old town. It was beer time. And where did Apo take us? Back to the Sira pub, the bar and cafe where we interviewed Shanan earlier. A place which is open to all, no matter which side of the green line you are from. Subhi joined us. An Armenian Orthodox Apostolic Christian, a self-proclaimed Jerusalem countryman with no passport, a godless Hungarian Bolivian, and a British Danish Australian. Sit down in Jerusalem for a beer. Yeah, write the punchline to that joke. After the break, the company helping artists with the worst part about being an artist. And Ariel Schnapiri puts everything into sharp, sharp focus. We'll be back in a sec. Hi, everyone. Circa is recruiting new concierges. A Circa concierge is a friend to ask anywhere in the world. Real people, on the ground, never bots. If you want to be a concierge for your city, go to circatravel.com to sign up. 
That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. For me and Andres, it was becoming weirder, but clearer. In a city that is not just ideologically divided, but geographically divided, culture was trying where politics had failed. Great art, like any, is emphatic. It can really show people that they're more similar than they are different. And in Jerusalem, you can live in the bubbles or you can live above them and see what's happening in all of them. That's what we saw sitting outside Syrah that night. But can you truly transcend and overcome the most complicated political morass on earth? I mean, is that even possible? In the morning, a little worse for wear, we headed to see Noam Kuzar, someone who is helping artists transcend and overcome something else, something truly all-consuming, complicated and frustrating. Paperwork. My name is uh, Noam. I was born and raised in Jerusalem. And we are in the Studio for Art and Bureaucracy, which is the center of Barkaima NGO, Barkaima Sustainability for Art, Culture, Music, and Peace. We know. It sounds complicated. But Noam's business is actually a simple and great idea. He and his wife Lydia help and connect artists in Jerusalem. Their NGO provides help with every aspect of creating and running cultural projects in the city. And what, what kind of projects have you, have you been doing recently? So we have uh, a few venues. We have uh, Barbour Art Gallery, which is an art gallery that's been operating in Nachlaot for 15 years. It's a community. Noam goes on and on and on. The kinds of artists that have come to him and Lydia for help range from musicians to dance groups and gardeners, operas and street performers to rock bands and whole theatre groups. It's had an incredible impact on the artistic community. So much so that someone wrote his doctorate on Noam and Lydia's business model. So this is a doctorate that someone wrote about the way we... Uh, about the, the way we use hardback blue book. The impact of a crowdsourcing apparatus on organizational capacity in the nonprofit context. The case of Bar Kaima. So, <laughs> so it's sprawling. It's, it's like, it's, wow. <laughs> First of all, we need you in Barcelona. <laughs> we need yes. you guys to move to Barcelona. It's obvious for us sitting there with Noam that there's an insane amount of work. Noam tells us why Jerusalem is a yes. good place to problem-solve for the growing cultural scene. Uh, Jerusalem is a unique place, and it has its unique communities, people, and situation. 
mainly in terms of uh, problems. That's where also creativity sometimes kicks in. <laughs> Between different peoples and cultures and communities and thoughts and ideas, that uh, new and creative ways of, uh, of uh, solving problems is, uh, arise here. So. And where did the seed of all this start? In a bar with Mr. Shannon Street, professional fence liar. Lydia was the owner of uh, Diwan Pub, which was one of the only pubs during the days of the Intifada. Shannon worked there and he taught her how to work in a pub. And after a while she bought it and became his boss, I think. And the place was uh, creating more culture than selling beer. It was one of the only two places in Jerusalem with a turntable. Having fun in a troubling time, a constant in Jerusalem. Poetically, it was the trouble during the Intifada that inspired Noam and Lydia to get creative. Because this bar was inclusive to all, Arabs, Muslims, Jews, it didn't make any sense to have another guard, another barrier, another man with a gun, standing in front of, well, just fun. It didn't make sense to have another checkpoint or to have uh, weapons in an alcoholic uh, environment. And we didn't know much about bureaucracy back then, but we said if maybe we open an NGO, then it's not a business and we can continue operating around the culture. Classifying a pub as an NGO to get rid of a man with a gun? Man, that's the power of paperwork in action literally reducing danger by being creative during a time when the city was shrouded in it. What a beautiful thing. You've got an eye on, on everything cultural in the city, like what makes it important for you to be creative. Like the tagline would be that art connects people where politics divides them. The Diwan pub closed in 2005, but it was reopened shortly after with a different name. Sira. The very same place we interviewed Shannon and where we drank with Apo and Suhi. Noam and Lydia pretty much shelved the NGO. Noam ran a cultural fanzine through it, but that was pretty much it until 2011 when they got so fed up with hearing from friends about the difficulty of working as an artist in Jerusalem. We decided, we said, hey, there's this NGO we have in the closet we open. Let's start operating and see what people need. The Studio for Art and Bureaucracy now has a roster of 20 separate project managers. Each of those has a team of between 2 and 15. All in all, they have nearly 1,000 artists who they help throughout the city. All from one piece of paperwork to get around having a soldier with a gun in a pub where he wasn't wanted. Is Noam a fence liar? The, the best tool for dealing with bureaucracy and authority is the realization that you are a free person. And then there's only obstacles. So. You put enough paper on the barbed wire, then you don't have to lie over it. <laughs> the next day, the sun beating down, the market is as insane as ever. We made one last call. One of Shannon's closest friends, Ariel Snapiri, is a filmmaker, cameraman, an ex-soldier, and ex-ish skater. He worked for many years for Sky Television, covering the Intifada. Being creative and level-headed, 
in some incredibly intense situations. Ariel works from the Alliance building, in the parking lot of the market where me and Neil spent our first evening in Jerusalem watching those two very different bands. There he is. The man, the legend. The kebab master. <laughs> oh, yeah. How's it going, man? Well, good, you, got good. Some, you got some arts. Yeah. His office in the basement of Allianz fits about 10 people, and it's filled with old analog equipment. VHS, beta, Super 8 cameras. I don't know how many vintage televisions. We set up on a sofa, and behind us is a pile of about 20 TVs. Tell me about Shanann. A good friend. For a long time now. Uh, we met through, I think, his first pub. And I used to sit there all the time when I was still a soldier in the army. Schnapiri has traveled a lot, but he always comes back to Jerusalem. He likes the resilience of the people here. You think you have to be tougher here? Or what? Yeah. Here you live among uh, people who are very different from you. And it's kind of a third for each part of the population. Third Arabs, third uh, ultra-Orthodox, and third secular, religious, and all the rest of them. As a secular Jew, I'm kind of a minority here. In Tel Aviv, I would be, you know, the complete majority of the population, like 90%. So it's very different because they think they're, you know, open-minded and everything, but it's very easy to be open-minded when everyone around you are the same as you. So I think Jerusalem is a lot more progressive than people would imagine. Ariel comes from another universally tight subculture, another you might not associate with Jerusalem's ancient cobble streets. And you were a skater? Yeah. And that connects also to street art, because a lot of the punks and the graffiti artists in Jerusalem were from the same kind of communities. When we met Ariel at the door of Allianz, he was carrying a piece of graffitied wood. That's how I got interested in street art. So the piece you saw me bringing, that's from two guys who are young, uh, two, three generations behind me, but very talented. Now I just arranged uh, their first uh, show in a, in a gallery. How many jobs do you people have? <laughs> we, uh, yeah, none of them pay very well, so you have to do it all. Ariel certainly looked for release from his job pressures to find communities of artists. He takes us back to his days working as a Sky News cameraman. He was constantly in some very real danger. Then I was in Brussels in the terror attack at the airport. I was at the airport when it happened. What? In March of 2016, ISIL claimed responsibility for three coordinated suicide bombings. Two at the check-in stands at Brussels airport and one at the Malbec metro station in the city center. We went to, through the airport, we went down to the duty-free, I went to the loo and then heard an explosion right above my head. And it's the, it was the check-in stands where we were like 10 minutes before. It was the same ones to the flight to Tel Aviv. 32 people were killed and 300 injured. How did you react? Quickly and professionally, because uh, that's what I do. And I've been to a lot of bombings in Israel as well. Suddenly, me and Neil started to realize that Ariel was, in a strange way, changing the meaning of everything we had learned about living in Jerusalem. Asking people about fun in the city and whether or not it means something different here, somehow it was more important. Art, culture, music, filmmaking, even Shannon's bar suddenly felt much, much more like a release, like a necessity. Being here for all that time, 
was Brussels the closest you got to proper danger? Or oh uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> In 1997, a time between intifadas, Shannon, Ariel, and some other friends came very, very close to danger. It was really crazy. Me and Shannon were. We, I was working at a cafe as a waiter, and he was uh, one of the customers that day. And uh, there was a triple suicide bombing. Like, I heard one bomb go off really close to the cafe, and then I started running out to, to give help. And then there was another bombing, so I start running slower. And then there was another bombing behind. Whoa. Like, they took three corners, and it was really properly planned and strategic and shit. So it was really crazy, and you know, it was very crazy back then. Uh, yeah. And that night, like, I remember going to Shannon's pub. Like, I went home, and then I couldn't sleep, because it was really, you know, you see some shit. The, the bomber's head was on a, like, pedestal in the, in the middle of the street. It was crazy. And I went to the pub, and I was like, and a lot of uh, people, you know, came, and they were like, oh, uh, fuck that, we're never sleeping again, you know. <laughs> Just drank. Like drank yourself to, yeah. to sleep basically and that's how it went back then and then I, I decided I had enough because it was like weekly back at the time because everyone's here and back then for sure but post-trauma PTSD kind of in a way they say all everyone in Israel has it in some form and it suddenly felt so strange myself and Andreas had spent six days so far in Jerusalem trying to get to the bottom of it and what it means to have fun in the oldest and most complicated city on earth. But we can't stress this enough. We never, ever, not for one second, felt unsafe or unwanted. Everyone we had met during our time there were always looking to hang out. They were always happy to talk and to laugh, to educate, recommend and debate. Jerusalem, no matter how complicated, to us it felt open and warm. The Middle East, in general, people are more open and welcoming, I think. It's kind of part of the culture here. But living somewhere and having a tight scene and with outsiders coming and going all the time, then you know, you know, you know people are coming, but you know they're also going to leave in uh, a couple months, a couple years. So you're not going to miss us when we're gone? I'm not going to, you know, unless you... He doesn't even know our names anymore. <laughs> Very bad with names. Shannon <laughs> <laughs> Street started a wave of change when he opened a bar in a place which had been turned upside down and made ugly. He and the friends we made on this trip showed us an incredible mix of human beings from all different backgrounds. All living in the same city with one common goal. To redefine what it means to be from Jerusalem. By living above the bubbles, the cliché and the cliques, by being creative. The cultural scene of Jerusalem is different, is more different than anywhere else in the world. At least anywhere else we've ever been. The art scene and the music scene in Jerusalem isn't just a safe place. It's a necessary one. It's vital. Art connects where politics divide.
before we drove back to Tel Aviv airport for a late flight, there was one last thing for us to do. Our last port of call was the Casino de Paris, Shannon's bar, to sit and to thank him and to have a beer. The core essence of Jerusalem is historical. And the core essence of Israeliness is uh, now, present. Israel is uh, people from literally all over the world, Africa to Australia, arriving at one spot with a need that all humans have to communicate. It has the weight of history from 3,000 years ago, but it's missing 3,000 years of communication. In order to manage the situation, you need to be creative. It's quite a trip. I'm glad we did. I'm glad you surprised me. <laughs> I'm going to do it again. Uh-oh. Yeah. I'm scared. Are we going to North Korea? <laughs> Man, do you think about it? Do you have a little bit of the Jerusalem syndrome? I do think about Jerusalem. The sounds, the smells, the food, the fact of everybody's kind of generosity. And it felt, you know, even though we kind of wove in and out of these different little worlds, it always felt... Like they were trying to show us something and they wanted to give us a part of that city that most people don't know about. Yeah, we made some good good friends. I think about us sitting on the terrace overlooking the market. Yeah. And watching people almost get hit by the trams. Toddlers, children, kids on bikes, teens. No barriers, no railings. Nothing. And then I was sort of thinking to myself, like, if you'd lived through that sort of stuff in that neighborhood, I wouldn't give a fuck about a tram yeah, either. A tram doesn't do anything. <laughs> Step off the track. <laughs> the other moment I remember as well, which kind of, uh, it sticks in my mind now after having gone, th- gone through and, and put this thing together is, is uh, if you put one Jerusalemite in a room, you get two opinions. Right. And that is how everything that we encountered in Jerusalem was it was there was the thing in front of you that you could see yeah and then immediately there was there was something more complicated mm-hmm. and weird right underneath it <laughs> that's Jerusalem there's like there's the way and then there's this little like yeah. <laughs> well, we've been here a long time <laughs> uh, magic it really is So wait, um, it's time for a coda. Is that the right word? Or an epilogue? I'm not sure. I think that's the same thing. Anyway, since last year, a lot has happened in the world. Coronavirus has devastated it. Lives and the economy. And one of the first things to suffer in a downturn like this is small businesses. One day last month, in July of 2020, I saw a post from Shannon on social media. A post I'd been fearing. I'd been fearing it from a lot of friends who were small business owners. The bar that changed the neighborhood was closing. I guess it's because of the circumstances of the trip to Jerusalem. When it happened, why it happened. But since the disaster that is 2020, we thought Shannon might be able to give us a little bit of that old hip-hop wisdom. So... We called him to talk, and he did. 
Hello, hello. Oh, there we go. Oh man. So Shannon, man, we gotta we've gotta ask you about the casino, dude. Yeah, what happened to the casino, buddy? So, you know, I don't remember if we spoke about this, but it was never like a super good business. In Israel, it's a very tough business, the nightlife in general and bars, and uh, it became too much, it just became too difficult. Like, like I told a bunch of friends, it became a hobby that's way too expensive. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I called Ellie and I said, you know, I think, to be honest, I think I, think I may have had enough. <laughs> I think it may have been enough. We had a good run. We sat all together and we decided to have a three-day three day party, three-day going-away party. <laughs> three two-hour slots with 50 people each for, for, for three days. That's amazing, like a little music <laughs> festival. Yeah, you're session drinkers. <laughs> it, it was great. It was great. People told us, uh, do this next weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Say that not enough people said goodbye. We'll buy we'll buy more tickets. <laughs> yeah, listen, I'll tell you what. I personally I didn't come prepared emotionally on Wednesday. We did it Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And I saw and like within like I would say half an hour, like two people were crying and everybody else was like, Why, why, how could you do and I like I got all emotional because of other people's emotions. But it's all it's for the best. There's re there was really nothing else we could do. When you sent me that message, me and Andres got sad. Yeah, like, yeah, it's so fucking hard, man. Listen, it was a great few days. It was a great few days. I mean, you know, when I was visiting Bali in Indonesia, uh, there was a they have they have a, a funerals with dancing and singing. That's just the way they do them, you know. There's something to be said for that, you know? It's... We should all go down partying. <laughs> Absolutely. Dude, you know, there's enough grief in the world as it is. So maybe we can add uh, some happiness. Add a little dancing and add a little music. And some booze. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows how it's all going to end, how it's going to play out. If you want to speak on a brighter note. <laughs> <laughs> Please hit us some of, with some of that Shannon straight optimism. Sunshine. I'll, I'll remind you that uh, I'm an artist. That's my true calling. So I actually finished writing a novel two days ago. Get the uh, fuck wow. out. I get the fuck in, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Lose a bar, gain a, gain a novel. You win some, you lose some, right? <laughs> And is there a, another bar in your life, do you think? Or is, that a, is Casino de Paris the last Shannon bar? So walking into Wednesday, I was sure the answer to that is no. No more bars for me. But I was sitting with a group of journalists, and then one of them is like, can't you see that like every bar you had in the city, everybody remembers? It's, it's not just the bar. It's, it's, like, it's more than that. And that asshole planted something in my subconscious. <laughs> he ninja dude. Fucking journalist, man, working with the government. <laughs> it's true, though. The casino was more than just a bar. And it's where me and Andres started the trip. There, sitting in the courtyard with a beer. So, it's the only real way we can end this. I can... 
I can get a Shapiro beer from the fridge if you want. Should I do it? We'll put, we'll put, put, the sound we'll put effect. sound effect on it. Do you want to wait for a second or is that a waste of time? No, let's do it. Let's, let's do, do it. it. Okay, I'll go get my beer. Hold on. Uh, hold my beer. Hold my beer. Uh, now I miss Jerusalem, man. I know, me God too. God damn it. It's weird. Uh, here, he comes. <laughs> here he goes. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Crack a brew and another brew. Merry Christmas. Time. Casino and to you guys. To oh, the man. casino man and to you. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, man. Thank you. Thanks, yeah. Thank you guys. Okay. This has been a pleasure. Even this little conversation and oh, the whole thing was great. I'm happy you thought of Jerusalem and I'm happy you thought of me. Yeah. And uh, we'll be in touch because, you know, we need to be. That's you right. Me, man. man, it was a total pleasure, man. It's a pleasure to know you, buddy. Yeah, man. All mine, all mine, your Habibi. <laughs> See you, friend. Yalla. Yalla. Peace. Peace, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye. So each week on Passport, we tell you a new amazing story from a different country, in a different city, with a different perspective. The places we discover on each trip often help shape our stories. So if you loved this week's episode, here are our saved pins. So Jerusalem has become one of our favorite cities so far. So next time you're there, be sure to check these places out. There were all little moments for me and Andres on our trip, which helped us tell a story of both an old and a brand new cultural Jerusalem. If you miss any of them, don't worry, we'll have all the links in the show notes. Okay, our first pin, and this is a heavy one, is Azura. Tucked away inside the Mahana Yehuda market, it is the place for Jerusalem's soul food. Five pots of slow-cooked meat, stews, and sauces. Hugely served and incredibly delicious. Neil and I will remember it forever as a restaurant that nearly wiped out a whole day after a serious case of food coma. Our second pin is Allianz House. It's a former school turned artist's haven. It's kind of a cross between a co-working space and a Berlin nightclub. It's in the parking lot of the West Jerusalem market, and it may well be gone in the years to come. So go see it while you can. Check out the listings for bands and shows, whether it's klezma jazz or psychedelic Yemeni folk songs, <laughs> you'll have a blast. So a surefire oddity on Jaffa Street in West Jerusalem is the Kalal Center. It's a Soviet-looking, concrete, almost abandoned shopping mall. Head up to the roof where there is a green space and a cafe if you want a breather from the crowds. A strange but true hidden spot in the oldest city on earth. If you're heading east, right near the American colony is the Gallery Cafe, where we met Subhi. It's a weird colonial looking building with a big front garden. It's a little out of the way, but it's fantastic for a super strong pick-me-up coffee. You'll need one for your very weird walk back to the west. And our last pin, of course, is the Mahana Yehuda market itself. This whirling, beautiful mess of noise and color. Um, it's now one of my favorite marketplaces in the world. But be prepared to haggle or take a big old bag of shekels. They can smell tourists even over the thousands of aromas in this bustling and brilliant place. Go there. Get lost.
and get some halva. My God, the halva is so good. You love that halva. That's it for this week, guys. Next week, we're doing a very special feed swap. But we'll see you in two weeks with a new Miss Infonation. And this time, the mother of all countries, Russia. Episode of Passport was written and produced by me, Neil Innes, and Andres Bartos. Huge thanks to Aisha Prigan, Dave Bianchi, Ariel Shnapiri, Apo Sahagian, Noam Kuzar, Suhi Dayajani, Shannon Street, Carmi Wortman, and all of the people we met on this trip. We will put some links to those amazing people and their work in the show notes. All of our music on this episode was created by our good friend and musical genius, Nick Turner. Additional stuff by the awesome El Cat and the amazing Hadag Nahash. The show is mixed and mastered by Julian Kwasniewski. Stacey Book, Dominic Ferrari, and Avi Glijansky are our rabbis, priests, and gurus. They also executive produce the show, which is hosted by myself and the mysteriously named Andres Bartos. Yeah, we've got to get to the bottom of that one. We'll see you in the next place. Mm-hmm.